Uh, hi, uh, Mr. Shear. Yes. Um, hi, it's it's me, uh, uh, Carl from uh, HR here at your secret mm-hmm. mercenary uh, anti-terrorism terrorism group slash cyber hacking bank robbers. Yes, yes, I know you. What's up? We've been having some complaints about uh, your interview process. Mm, say more. Okay, well, it's you know how when you hire a new person, you make them do a job while you also have a gun to their head and also have a, uh, someone perform oral sex on them at the same time? Yes, yes, I read that on Cracking the Coding Interview. It's standard industry practice. Yeah, well, you know, times are changing here in the terrorist, anti-terrorist fighter, bank-robbing, uh, uh, coding uh industry and you just can't do that anymore you're gonna have to choose either the gun to the head or the blowjob hmm all right abraham shoot this guy what said Abraham because it turns out that he's from the Mossad at the end, which is insane. <laughs> uh, th- that's the insane part of the backstory no. to the villain slash hero slash whatever of this movie. <laughs> there are so many. But first, let's introduce ourselves. I'm Veronica Yarovsky. I'm John Bershad. Welcome to our Swordfish episode. You say that as if we've been pr- promising it for months, as if <laughs> like, or it's like an annual tradition. Welcome to this year's Swordfish episode of Box Office Time Machine. I mean, everyone loves Swordfish. The The crowd has been clamoring. Oh, 100%. Since last week. Everyone loves Swordfish. Everyone definitely remembers Swordfish. <laughs> everyone has fond feelings towards Swordfish. Is it just me? I I am so excited to do this episode, the world famous Swordfish episode, because this is a movie that you so Swordfish, two thousand one film directed by someone I didn't Dominic <laughs> Cena, Dominic Cena of God in sixty seconds fame. Sure, absolutely, absolutely. Another movie that I unabashedly love. <laughs> yep, yep. You uh, you love Cena. I'm a uh, Cenaphile. You're a cinephile. Um, but this movie came out in 2001. This movie was a huge bomb. This movie was critically reviled. I saw it in the theaters. I Same. remember. I, I saw it. Uh, I remember two things. I think I mentioned this in the last episode. I remember John Travolta's Soul Patch and Halle Berry's gratuitous topless scene. Um, I remembered not really liking it. You, however, <laughs> Veronica, have a different memory of this movie. I also saw it in theaters, but I loved it. <laughs> I I mean, not, you know, sincerely, I think. I think this movie is nuts and crazy, but uh-huh. I feel like it's very enjoyable. I feel like it has 
uh, oh, you want like crazy hacking scenes? This movie has it. You want like gratuitous sex scenes? This movie has it. You want like insane action sequences? This movie has it. It has everything, but it's also ridiculous. Every every part of it is ridiculous, and uh, I enjoy it quite a bit. So this is the wild part. Not only did you like it in two thousand one, you still really like it to today. And I, I, so. <laughs> I'll put it off the bat, since this show has just become me being grumpy every week. Uh, shockingly, I did not join Veronica <laughs> as we, this podcast is not the two people on Earth who like this movie. It's still just the one. But look, around that same time period, I had a great fondness for another critically reviled movie, Danny DeVito's Drowning Mona. <laughs> that was oh, my yeah. kind of garbage. Um we will not be doing that on this show because there's absolutely no way that was number one of the box office. Uh, but I, I think of anything, we could have a conversation this week about what, what dumb entertainment we like or like <laughs> what it takes. Because I feel like we've been talking about this for a lot. Like we talked about Mortal Kombat, how we were excited about seeing a dumb Mortal Kombat movie and it didn't give us the dumb fun we wanted. And right. I want to find out why this dumb movie is your dumb movie. <laughs> okay, that's fair. I think I think what it is is it like it just goes out there and it <laughs> has like it's it's so stupid. Like the hacking scene both hacking scenes or any of the hacking scenes make absolutely no sense. I even forgot to what extent they don't make sense. There's one scene <laughs> where Hugh Jackman, it's literally like him in front of a, uh, a wall of like 10 monitors. That is the, the funniest. Should, uh, a quick, should we do a, a really quick, like yes, three sentence it, synopsis before we jump into this? Um, yes. So I'll do, uh, as quick as I can, uh, Hugh Jackman is the, uh, Greatest hacker in the world, a cover of Wired TM. magazine. <laughs> that backstory dialogue is hilarious, uh, but he's also a super studly mega hunk who does cool things. Uh, I'm getting too detailed. Well, uh, oh, oh, hold on. About the mega hunk thing, there's a, another fun part about that because when the FBI first, like, he comes up on their radar where he walks through mm. an airport with Halle Berry, they're like, he is out of her league. And it's insane because he is Hugh Jackman. Wait, <laughs> I didn't even hear that line. Yeah, it's it's in the script like when they're looking Wait, through they the monitor. Wait, they said that he's out of Halle Berry's league? Yeah. With, like, it's it, it makes sense for literally most actors, just like not Hugh Jackman. I wonder if they Do had you mean, that line. like she's out of his league? No, he is out of her league. That's what? what they say. Yeah. <laughs> like, it makes no sense because he's Hugh Jackman. <laughs> well, this is also, this is a movie where, because everything has to be so cool, but it's a hilarious thing where it's a cool from 20 years ago and also right. they were wrong about what cool is. So the movie thinks everything is so cool. One of my favorite things is they go to, um, when Halle Berry first, I fucked up the synopsis. He's a hacker. John Travolta's ultra secret something. We'll get into what his job is. Hires him through Halle Berry. They do a crime. Don Cheadle's in the FBI. Halle Berry's maybe in the DEA. It's all fucking weird and dumb. Um, but they're trying. I don't even 100% know what they're trying to do. But it involves pretending to rob a bank. 
Well, no. So they need to be inside the bank in yes. order to access its internet connection that is connected to other banks that have accounts of dormant DEA dummy corporations from which they can siphon off this money that's been accruing interest since the 80s mm-hmm. uh, and then like transfer it to their own bank accounts. And You're we welcome. Will de- we will definitely get into why they want, need this money because that might be the most insane part of this film. I know. But they, when Halle Berry first comes to pick Hugh Jackman up, she uh, he is uh, wearing a towel. He, it is like wonderful like 80s action movie open, opening cheese. Uh, we do the classic. He's a great dad, but he can't be with his kids anymore because of a divorce. Um, the what they do with his ex-wife and how they try to color her as a horrible person is I. Yeah, there are so many directions I want to take this conversation. I'll just talk about this scene. They pick him up. They bring him back. And Halle Berry says, you should have let me you should have let me buy you a suit. And he's like, I'm happy with what I'm wearing. She's like, all right. And she opens a door and ha, they're actually in a super hip party. But the funny thing is, he like logically with that gag, he should look like shit or like he should be dressed dumb. He is dressed in a super cool T-shirt and super well-fitted jeans. And like because they want him to look cool, he's also super ripped. But then everyone at the party, the hip party, looks like garbage. Because it is... (laughs) It is, they are all dressed in a type of cool that was only cool for about a four-month span in, two, in the year 2000. So everyone yeah. is wearing a brightly neon-colored leather jumpsuit, and they all look insane and awful. <laughs> well, this is another uh, sort of uh, supporting argument for the idea that like it wasn't supposed to be Hugh Jackman in the script. Mm. And they left, a, it was supposed to be some probably more nebbishy dude. Yeah. But then they hired Hugh Jackman, but kept all these lines about him not looking cool. Oh, so when they say he's out of her Bear- league, they're being sarcastic? No, I don't think they are. I think it was supposed to be like a nerd who's following mm. Halle Berry. And they're like, yeah, this guy's out of her league. Which that that line makes sense in that scenario. But I think it's just like, I don't think this movie has any level of irony. Like, there's no way. This movie is so, thinks it's so fucking cool. Like, this movie thinks that it's like, it's saying some truths. And oh it's God. saying them. <laughs> and it's saying them in some very cool Tarantino-esque dialogue way. I mean, you mi- missed. Yeah, insane. so. So the opening, we actually open in medium res, the favorite thing of like all the late 90s, early 2000s thrillers. And it's uh, the star of Pulp Fiction talking about uh, movies uh, like and we only later reveal that he's actually like talking to the FBI. And very interestingly, we never go back to that seat. Like the, it's, sk- it's the never- time skip that we do later in the movie is so weird. Yeah, like we never figure out how he even ended up talking to these FBI agents. We never figure out how Hugh Jackman ends up there because what the he- point of this conversation was. Yeah, like there's no. It's literally so that we get that like Tarantino like prestige like odor of Tarantino due to like John Travolta being in that movie and it's so dumb. (laughs) It is the worst 
the worst like Tarantino, like fake Tarantino dialogue. I mean, it hasn't been late the late nineties in a while, so I haven't been watching a bunch of Tarantino ripoffs. So no. maybe they got even worse than this. But the movie opens on John Travolta's face. He looks fucking dumb. They have him in the worst wig and the soul patch he has is hilarious. And he's looking dead in the camera and he goes, I I, I wish I wrote the exact lines down, but it's something like, you know what's the problem with Hollywood? All the movies they make are, are, does he say shit or crap? I can't remember. They make shit. Unbelievable, unremarkable shit. Now, I'm not some grungy wannabe filmmaker that's searching for existentialism through a haze of bong smoke or something. No, it's easy to pick apart bad acting, short sighted <laughs> directing and a purely moronic staging uh, or moronic stringing together of words that m- many of the studios term term as prose. Jesus. No, now, I'm talking clear, about the Veronica's lack of realism. Not reading. This is all straight from memory. Yes, of course. I love this movie. I watch it every day. Realism, <laughs> not a pervasive element in today's modern American cinematic vision. And then he talks about Dog's Day, Dog Day's Afternoon for a while. Um, about how like m- maybe they should have like let Sonny go at the end. Those those first two lines. You know what's the problem with Hollywood? They make shit. I involuntarily just <laughs> said, "Fuck you." Like, I just said, the idea that this movie opens with John Travolta wearing a soul patch saying, guess what? The movie you're about to watch is better than every movie ever made. I just, it like, I just, the fuck you just jumped out of my mouth involuntarily. (laughs) And I mean, unironically, it also describes this movie. (laughs) Which is very funny to me because like it's like one of those things like you can't you have to have sort of a foolproof perfect product to be able to pull that shit and still like not be an idiot like not have that line used against you. Here's the crazy thing and this can get us back into our conversation about about what's good dumb and what's bad dumb. Later in that conversation, when they stopped having their dumb meta conversation about movies, but actually start talking about bank robbers. And he's just like, he's just like, you got to kill witnesses. You got to kill the hostages instantly. Start killing hostages. People don't kill the hostages. What do you think they would do if you just bring up the first hostage? Bang. You bring up the second hostage. Bang. And like. This like that part of the conversation like is genuinely chilling. He sounds like a truly horrible person. Then we pan out and realize he's literally robbing a bank at that moment. Like that part right there. There's there's a kernel of something good there. Yeah, because uh, he seems genuinely dangerous and deranged. But because it's tied into this other terrible Tarantino bullshit dialogue, it's bad. And. There's so there are kernels of things here that I I would find fun and I would be able to enjoy this on a pure dumb level. But there's also stuff that's like just mean for no reason. <laughs> I I feel like I say this and I, sexist. I, well, oh, well, then we can get to that. But like so right after that, we get the genuinely cool slow motion explosion scene um, that kicks off that ends our uh, cold open. But what the explosion is, is they've tied um, these uh, bombs to all the hostages where if they go too far away from the bank, they'll explode. 
And a cop has grabbed a hostage and is pulling her away. And she's like, no, don't take me. I'm going to explode. And Hugh Jackman's like, oh, don't take her. And Don Cheadle's like, no. Um, And then, of course, she explodes in slow motion. And it's an amazing visual effect that they did. It really is like, I would argue, the one Matrix ripoff from this time period that still looks pretty good. (laughs) But the fact that it is... This super cool shot is entirely based around an innocent woman blowing up in slow motion. It just makes the whole thing, it just kind of, uh, uh, it kind of makes the whole thing just meaner than it needs to be. Right. Well, I will. So here's my thing with the visual effects. It really feels like this is a movie that kind of, it was at sort of that phase of Hollywood where like, visual effects were mostly affordable to like a standard Hollywood production. So this movie like overdoes everything. There's so many like gratuitous CG shots. Well, I think like that one does work. It's kind of impressive. They do like the sort of like, uh, what do they call it? Like bullet time kind of thing where Mm -hmm. like time stops and like they spin around as the bomb goes off. It looks really good, but like also the entire movie looks like it was filmed via like an Instagram filter. <laughs> like oh, like the, the whole, color it's grading's like, insane. The color correcting is crazy. Like there's so many like just gratuitous, like especially at the end, like CG shots that look super fake. There's like one CG shot of like the hacking happening. So like he's hacking away and then you like pan into like the the tubes, the series of tubes. Oh, that <laughs> like that, that, that scene is hilarious. This We're still right in the middle of uh, Hollywood trying to figure out how to make hacking visually look cool. Yeah. I mean, and they make some swings here that do not work. <laughs> oh, for sure. I mean, that are very, very pleasant and funny. But yeah, I just I feel like all the effects in this movie feel so gratuitous Mm -hmm. it's like it has like because we could vibes to it that I mean sometimes it works as in like that explosion but sometimes it's just like dude just you know be confident in your storytelling. (laughs) The same way that I said that that explosion was a Matrix ripoff that works the first act of this movie is a Matrix ripoff that does not work. All those scenes about him being the greatest hacker and Halle Berry coming to find him while wearing a leather jumpsuit and then taking him to a cool party. It's just the first act of the Matrix. Right. Yeah, that's true. I, I didn't even think about that, but that is very accurate. I mean, if you added like dumb, bumbling FBI agents following Neo in the, the first act of that movie, like if uh, the agents weren't weird, creepy robot characters, but instead were like bumbling cops being like, what are they? What's he doing? Oh, man, <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, then it then it's just the Matrix. Yeah. Uh, so, okay. So to fast forward a little bit. Uh, so uh, we uh, we get Hugh Jackman. His name is Stanley, right? Uh, so we get Stanley in to meet Gabriel of the Soul Patch. I wrote and- down one of, the, one of the great lines of dialogue. Uh, Halle Berry says this at one point. I'm not 100% sure where, but just the line, I'm not here to suck your dick, Stanley. Yeah. Which Someone I just think is a funny line. Job. <laughs> What is that? <laughs> Someone else has that job later. Yeah, the thing is, it is, it sounds like a silly line of dialogue, but she actually does need to clarify because there's someone on the payroll whose job is a uh, dick sucker. 
I mean, that was so I want to talk about that scene because it's coming up. So they go into this club to give him basically a, like a hacker interview. And the hacker interview is uh, have a gun pointed at his head while a woman gives him a blowjob. And he has to like break this 512 bit encryption like they keep like increasing the number of bits in the ciphers it's like such a fun like sub camp that they have in this movie it starts off this is like a 128 bit cipher can't be done well how about this we have a 256 cipher that you got to figure out what no that can't be well actually it's a 512 cipher it's never been done (laughs) so this thing gives us two directions to take the conversation i want to hear your thoughts on both you could choose which one first i want to hear your thoughts as as a woman who works in computers i want to hear your thoughts on how this movie uh handles computers and women (laughs) You oh, can wow. take take your pick of where to begin. I mean, I feel like the women one is sort of a very predictably just like sad. So there uh I guess four women total like speaking role women in this movie. There's Are Halle you counting Berry. the little girl? I'm like- Yeah, I'm counting the little girl. Okay. So there's Halle Berry, <laughs> there's uh Drea DiMatteo, who's his junkie porn star wife, who's like it's always very so fun- She's sex shamed. Like, I don't know. Like that, that that's a fair profession. She provides for her daughter. She seems kind of absent. That that's worse than her being. It's very, like, yeah, it's a porn we get star. all the the quickest like shorthand that his ex-wife's a bitch. Um, right. First, it's great to hear. Uh, it's always a, a thrill to hear like Drea DeMatteo speak in not an Adriana voice and remember, <laughs> oh right, this is 2001. She's like barely known for that. And like this is just her like regular speaking voice, um, yeah. but uh, but yeah, she lives with a porn producer, and we literally meet her waking up from like a drug induced haze and walking through the set of a, a porn uh, porn shoot where they're just like I lo- I love just like a rack of sex toys like hanging up as it the way you'd hang up like a bunch of costume pieces just right. like. Like, is their house always just a set? Like, it seems insane that they also, like, this guy would live in a house where he films. It, it just, like, it makes no sense, even, like, if you think about it. But, yeah, they kind of set up this woman. Like, she should be answering a phone, like, by answering, like, a pill bottle or something. Like, yeah. she should be, like, picking up, like, things and just... Yeah, I don't know. So her... So also, bad depiction... The girl, I guess it's fine. I looked up the girl. She's now, she's been on The Young and the Restless for 20 years. Yeah, I also was curious about that. Yes, steadily working on soap operas for the rest of her life. Good job. I think she plays twins because she's credited as two things. I, I I saw that too. I looked it up. So her she the character she played for a number of years got killed off, and then I guess the set really liked her, so they brought her back five years later as just a different character, and she's oh. played that character since then. Good job, you know she got a great job. She was good in this movie, I thought. And then there's the blowjob queen of Venice Beach or whatever club that they go to, and that is like all the four women that I counted in this entire thing. So. Yeah, it's not great, but I think it's also kind of, 
I remember movies of that time, basically. Like, this is not unique in any way. This no. is just, like, the way, like, movies were made at that time. This sadly. was absolutely the time of when you wanted to show someone was at a cool place, was, like, cool and hip. You would go to the club they hung out at, and sitting at the table near them are two or three models who seem on the verge of making out with each other at any second. Right. Like, <laughs> we get the shot of the three women going in the pool, um, taking off their clothes to go in the pool. The thing is, like, about all of this, it's one notch away from being self-aware. Yeah. And I feel like maybe there's a, a bit of this. I don't want to. I feel like there might be a version of this script that isn't terrible, that got heavily rewritten. I, I don't know about that. But like the thing about the the porn producer thing, when he throws in her face that um, her the his ex-wife is now uh, married to a porn producer. She has a line that's like that's like it's just a job. It's just a money job or something like something yeah. like. Uh, he's a film. He's a film producer who sells movies. They make money, so that's what he produces. It's yeah. something like that. Where if you didn't have literal dildos in her background, like it's either could be a joke or something. It could be a joke about Hugh Jackman's like intimidation and feelings of inadequacy, or it could be a joke that she's trying to defend it, and the porn is like so gratuitous. But the way it's shot is chooses to be both and neither at the same right. time and so the most famous gratuitous thing is of course the Halle Berry topless scene that yeah which apparently was just added in and uh we found out that they paid her five hundred thousand dollars for it <laughs> five her rate for the rest of the movie was two million dollars so she got an extra 25% just to do this topless scene. And if you are not aware of the famous swordfish topless scene, really the only thing people remember this movie for, it goes <laughs> as follows. Hugh Jackman walks into a room. Halle Berry is suntanning. He says, hey, where's he? Who's he looking for at that point? Gabriel? Like Gabriel, this the, I think, yeah. This is the middle oh, of the I movie think where scenes... To, like borrow keys or something it makes no yeah. sense there's no reason the, for the scene to exist this is the middle of the movie where scenes just happen and it's the major <laughs> flaw of the movie that the second act is in my opinion super boring because like nothing leads into anything else <laughs> but so she's just sitting there uh, uh sun tanning in uh you know a bikini bottom and like holding up a, a tanning board and then to talk to him, she just lowers the board to show her boobs to camera and that's the entire scene. And it's just amazing to think that only 20 years ago, because they heavily not only did they do this, they heavily promoted it. They were right. like, if you pay money to see this movie, you're going to see Halle Berry's boobs. And yeah. like a lot of people went to this movie. I would say probably that's the reason that it got to number one at the box office for one weekend before plummeting. <laughs> once everyone was like, oh, it's super boring. Um, <laughs> Except me. Yeah, It's just amazing. <laughs> like I. Could you do that now? I don't think you could do that nowadays. Because even if you got like the most famously beautiful actress in the world and had her do full frontal, not only is nudity as much a thing anymore, people would just be like, all right, I'll see it on the Internet tomorrow when someone uploads it. I'm not going to go right. pay to see a movie I don't want to see. Yes, I think like the gratuitousness of it might not work. I think there's a way where the scene could work, where it's more of just like a power dynamic thing where that is like just her being comfortable with her body, you know, she uses that as a way of like dominating him in some way. 
which is not a thing that happens in this movie. I'm not I'm I, not even going to like try interpreting that. I think that's supposed to be the implication cuz he's like has a hard time answering his question. I think it's supposed to be like if they the half thought that they came into justifying this is that like oh he's like in over his head and she like has like but he, like there's nothing about the interaction itself that implies yeah. that cuz like if she does not get anything out of showing him his boobs like he just like gets his keys and leaves. It's also, it's a nothing scene. Also, we've already learned all those things. They've exactly. already tempted him with beautiful women and used sex to both intimidate and entice him. So it adds nothing. Just right. just her boobs. Yeah. Well, there's also like another scene that gets talked about less because Halle Berry wears some clothes in it. But the there's this scene. Yeah. So there's the scene where she's in like a silky underwear uh attire and she has the most conspicuous wire some for some reason attached to her inner thigh which is like is it there to like for her pulse i feel like the the recording quality from that area might not be the best anyway but but yeah it's like i'm curious where she was hiding like we see the microphone where's she hiding the actual like recording device like what does that cord lead to well, yeah, it seems like there's, like, something attached to her inner thigh, and then, like, something then goes up to her boobs. So, I guess, like, the microphone that's is going to... record gonna... her talking. My... The I think it's just, like, that The outfits we've seen her wear up to this point are not wire-friendly. No, I mean, it's such a... It's, first off, if you're an actual <laughs> DA agent, why would you ever change your clothes? I mean, later on, I guess the scene makes more sense because we find out that she's his accomplice. So maybe she intended for she, Jackie yes. to walk in on her. The idea she but, was purposefully probably waiting for him to walk in and see that. But I mean, again, just watching the scene for the first time without knowing the twist is like, why? Why is this scene here? It makes zero sense for this to happen. It it just I felt almost more embarrassed for Halle Berry in that scene because she also like has to like play very scared in a very like exaggerated way mm-hmm. to the point where I'm like, are you Oscar winning? <laughs> I, I don't know. Uh, but yeah, it was. Yeah, it was that scene to me was almost kind of more painful to watch than the one where like the boobs pick a boob. You know, it's 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 funny. Uh, I think we've we've talked a bit on this show about uh, the changing attitudes towards nudity. This scene actually felt you could have more scenes like this if you were really playing up the like erotic uh, relationship between the two of them. It feels like nowadays in movies, like like you said, no one's no one cares or no one cares about just like a quick flash of nudity because it's like, OK, whatever, we'll see it on the Internet. But if you have a movie built around like a steamy relationship or something like if their relationship mattered, it reminds me of the scene where in um, this is the second week in a row we've brought this movie up uh, in the first Mission Impossible where um, everyone's mm-hmm. died except for Tom Cruise and um uh, uh, the lead actress whose name I forget. Dominique Signet, I think is her name. Thank you. Thank I you. Merci. So. Um, but he goes around, uh, but he searches her for a wire. And the fi- and yeah. we've already set up that she's his boss's wife. His boss just died. He always had a crush on her. And there's always been some kind of uh, uh, sexual tension between them. So like that scene feels very sexually charged in a way that this scene, which is similar, could I, I don't know. It's 
Oh, it's a Emmanuel Bart. I I forgot. It's not Dominic. Oh, well then I take anyway, back my mercy. Other French name. Uh, yeah, I think. Listen, I feel like we can both agree that if this movie was written by Joe Esterhaus and directed by Paul Verhoeven, it would have been <laughs> a far superior movie. Uh, yeah, I think like you're right. There's no relationship with Halle Berry, like in any sense that gives any of their interaction stakes. Uh, and I wonder maybe there was. I mean, some she said right at the beginning, she's not there to suck his dick. It's like, where do you go from there? Exactly. Like, if there's no promise of a suck dick, I'm out of there. Uh, but yeah, so I guess like that's kind of women are not really treated well in this movie, um, which is kind of a bummer. But the computers are treated amazingly. <laughs> I mean, it's so wild to me that I guess like this is kind of like still at a time like you said like they were trying to figure out how to visualize hacking but the sort of it it literally seems like it was made by a person who's never like even like they didn't even try talking to someone who like knew anything about engineering or hacking like none of it makes sense like i I mean i i'm not just like hacking is just like a very like you're trying to like Take advantage of a lot of vulnerabilities. They're very not standard. Him having to hide a worm somewhere in like a machine. <laughs> like he's like, yeah, like, so uh, when I was like in this college 20 years ago, there was this one computer that they kept around. So this is where I kept my worm. That makes zero sense. That means <laughs> that like you put in something on this computer, they rebooted this computer, your thing is gone. Like, the and like, in. It if also, you write if you write a special computer virus, you don't hide it in a secret uh, computer somewhere so no one can find it. I mean, it's it, <laughs> like you could potentially hide that code, but like if you do, you put that there, but then like they reboot the computer, that co- code is gonna be gone. Like to rely on that is insane. Also, like the tech from twenty years ago compared to probably the syst- the stuff that is being used by systems right now or even at that time is not the same thing. I mean, and also just hacking is just taking advantage of very specific vulnerabilities that a system has. So all we show him do is design a very like generic, like Rubik's cube. He keeps like adding like bits to this Rubik's cube (laughs) until the point where it says like hacking done, (laughs) hacking succeeded. And it's like, we are still very much in uh, visualizing the internet territory, even though this is 2001. I mean, it's even like his setup. He like, he like uses the keyboard, like people use the piano. Like it doesn't even look (laughs) like he's typing. Like the monitor setup makes no sense. He has monitors like on the fucking, like there's no way that he could even see what's on a very high monitor that he has. I That scene made me laugh so hard. So when he's like, he's been hanging out the uh, John Travolta after the party, after he passes the blowjob test, brings him back to his coolest state and he goes hey i want to show you something and he leads him into a room and it's in context supposed to be like the most amazing computer in the world but all (laughs) we see is just that he has five monitors and they're all connected and hugh jackman looks at him goes 
like you see in his face, like, oh my God, like this is like 10 Halle Berry's boobs. This is so incredible. Like, as someone who works in computers, Veronica, was it that impressive? No, as I'm saying, the setup of the monitors makes absolutely no sense. Like, you can't see all of them. It's insane. And also, like, all of them seem to be showing basically the same thing. So it's like, what is the point? Yeah, I I want someone to do a meme. This is a very CS joke, uh, but uh, of like, because there's a scene where he's like, come on, come on, come on. And then like you pan to the computer and it's just him like adjusting the styling on some page, like some CSS. Because <laughs> like, I don't know. It's just, it was so ridiculous. This scene is sort of, it's a meme and like, you know, like programming mm. humor subreddits and stuff. Cause it's oh, do like, people still talk about this movie? Uh, I mean, you know, like it's like an the infamous scene. The same way scene, like those like NCIS people... scenes get made yeah. fun of to this day? So yeah, so people really make fun of that scene. It makes zero sense. Like even in the context of like just bad, uh, like, you know, computer uh, visualizations of movies, like this one is so uniquely bad I'm trying to th- I'm trying to think how common multi screens were at the time, because nowadays, you know, uh, a lot any job that works with computers, you have like two screens set up. Right. But they're set up at your eye level. They're not like set up <laughs> where you have to go on a step stool to see one of them. Yeah, it's sort of I mean, just the visualization <laughs> themselves make like very little sense. Like someone would have to make the stuff that does the thing. You know, it's sort of like, yeah, it just it makes no sense. They have, but appear to have a screensaver that's all five screens. But OK, so we talked about the treatment of women. We talked about computers. The other truly insane thing about this movie is the twist of what John Travolta's actual job is. <laughs> so I'm going to see if I can describe this. Okay. So he throughout the movie, we've been seeing Sam fucking Shepard <laughs> is in this movie playing a shady senator. Good for and him. it's implied that John Travolta works for him. He does because John Travolta is trying to steal the money. Why? To fight America's wars. Because, you know, famously fighting wars, the one thing the American government refuses to fund. Right. Exactly. Uh, <laughs> but it's not just fighting wars. It's fighting secret wars, because apparently in the world of this movie, J. Edgar Hoover <laughs> started a secret private military group whose goal was to respond to any terrorism uh, enacted in America by doing even worse terrorism back to them. So John Travolta and his crew are terrorists that fight terrorists. This movie ends with them lifting a bunch of innocent hostages into the sky (laughs) and crashing it into a building. This movie came out in June 2001. I know. Anyone who chose to skip it in the theaters and wait for video got a very different movie. I wonder when the home video release of this movie was. Do you know? Oh, I, I don't know. I, I mean, it would have, because the home, vi- the window was longer back then. Yes, yeah, so I wonder, was it supposed to be in like September or somewhere? It would have been, I have to imagine, yeah. after 9-11. But I, I found like his his motivations hard to understand. And I, I couldn't tell if it was because they were badly described by the movie or just because the geopolitical concepts 
were so fucking stupid and unbelievable. Like, not to say, like, the idea that, oh, yeah, if America gets attacked by terrorism, we enact even stronger. Yeah. Well, yeah, we do. And we don't make it a secret. That would be dumb. If you're trying to enact huge force, you make it clear that it's you doing it. Yeah. So that's the main thing that I'm confused about is that so... Uh, so the reason why he ends up stealing that money, so he ends up killing, uh, what's his name? Uh, fuck the Senator and Tay Donovan. (laughs) Uh, and so he's like, I'm going solo. So now he's a rogue actor. He's like a rogue vigilante actor who just kills random terrorists without attribution so, like, how are they even going to learn that this is as a result of, like, the news report is like, this guy is responsible for this uh, terrorist attack on the American say, embassy. embassy. yeah. And, but it doesn't say that America retaliated. So, like, the his whole, like, sort of reason for being makes absolutely no sense. Because, yeah, if it's a deterrent to not hit American targets, but, like, they are being actually retaliated against by like a rogue actor it doesn't actually achieve the goal that you want to achieve but <laughs> i mean yes it but also like this ignores iran contra this ignores a ton of like just cia extrajudicial killings that have been happening why is it the fbi that even sets this up the fbi is not an international organization the cia al- already does this like I-, I don't know yeah i feel like this movie knows as much about sort of international relations as it does about computers. Like, I, it's just like, it, it, like it says a bunch of stuff that if you think about them, they don't really make any sense. It's also, it's also super, it doesn't work for the movie because it's basically an inversion of the twist that Hans Gruber has in Die Hard, where for the first two thirds of the movie, you think he's this political a- actor. He's a terrorist for political means. But then it's revealed, oh, that's all an act. And he's right. just there. He's literally just a bank robber. And it's a really it's a really fun twist because it changes what you think about him. Oh, he's both smarter and more ruthless than you thought. Right. This is the opposite. But it and it's treated like a twist, but it doesn't change anything we think about John Travolta because all we've been told about him is that he's so cool and he he does stuff you couldn't fucking believe. And so when they're like, also, he may work for the government. I'm like, okay, sure. But but then a- like at the end they're like oh also he's like part of the Mossad like what does that how does that even fit in I don't I know I assume Any that was his fake identity that like because he fakes his death at the end of the movie that this identity was Gabriel Shear but that's probably because he says at one point like I don't even know who I am anymore right. Well, the fake identity thing. So at the body at the end we see the body previously. So. It, in like the cooler or whatever, Hugh Jackman uh, kind of comes across it. He at keeps his house. he keeps his fake corpse, a uh, corpse that's it's a real corpse because it must be real human. So it's not right. like he does a fake death where he like pushes like in The Simpsons pushes a mannequin that looks like <laughs> right. him over a waterfall. This is a real body that's had like some of his teeth inserted in its mouth. So. Right. 
he keeps it in his cooler with wine, but that would seem to, it seems like that's not part of his plan to let Hugh Jackman see that. Cause why would he want Hugh Jackman to know that he's going to fake his death? Yeah. Whatever. I think, yeah. But also this coroner is dumb. Cause like this body <laughs> has been dead for a while. And like for, for him to be like, Oh yeah, this is the same freshly dead dude. It's so dumb. And he unless, got blown like, up so badly that it made it look like he was shot a week ago. Yeah. I mean, it's so stupid. It's like, it's such a dumb movie. It like tries too hard to be smart. And it like any, any thread that you pull at, it's like, oh, this is so smart sounding that actually makes zero sense. And I, I get that. Like that dumbness is funny for to me. The part yeah. where they first introduce John Travolta and they're like, they're like, he's so, like, we get a monologue. He's so cool. And we see... <laughs> 40-something-year-old John Travolta get out of a car with a soul patch looking like <laughs> the exact opposite of cool. I and know. in 2001, the, like, that was not a cool look. It was cool for maybe two months in the oh, year 2000. I remember being jarred by that look at a movie theater when I saw this movie. No, I, I mean... Yeah. He comes out at the end with it when he's changed his identity and he's changed his hair and he looks... 10,000 times better. Yeah, it looks like he's gone from the set of uh, Battlefield Earth, like lightly trimmed his hair, went into the set of uh, Swordfish, and then he was like, oh, I have love song for Bobby Long coming up, and I need to have my hair dyed for that. (laughs) So he just like, so he like literally was in between sets, and Swordfish is sort of the encapsulation of that. Not since the movie Secret Window with Johnny Depp that ends with a big twist with Johnny Depp threateningly eating corn while wearing adult braces has a movie more misjudged the the costume of their main character who's supposed to look cool and threatening. But like all that stuff was funny. I so I I think it's just like this movie, the dumb stuff did entertain me and the over the top stuff did entertain me. The the like meanness of the film brought it down a little. The nihilism of blowing up that woman at the beginning. Some of that stuff brought it down, but it wasn't deadly to me. To me, I just got bored. And that's when the dumb fun went away. Mm, I think that's fair. I think it's just the the levels of dumb are so high in this movie <laughs> that made it so entertaining for me. It's sort of like like you said, it's them thinking that the thing that they're doing is the coolest thing in the world. Mm-hmm. But like you're watching it and you're like, this is idiotic and very dumb. And they spent a ton of money on it. And they thought <laughs> that the thing that they were doing was so cool and they're going to blow people away. Oh, and they clearly did. Yeah. And it's just it's so fun to see. I like I think the movies like the bad movies I enjoy have this hubris to them. And so, so that's yeah. the main thing. This is a good, bad movie to you. This is a movie yeah. that's so bad. It's good. This isn't like something like Godzilla versus Kong, where it's dumb, but it's it knows what it's doing. It's trying to be a dumb kaiju movie and it succeeds at doing the things that that movie does well. Even though we had some problems with that movie, it's still a fun, dumb movie. This is a good, bad movie to you. Yeah, I think so. I, I, yeah, I, I think, yeah, maybe it's just because it does intersect in two ways in my life, being a woman into computers. 
<laughs> maybe that's why that was my sweet spot. But yeah, I just yeah, I found I found it all very very silly and fun and. I I mean it's one of those movies that I can't really recommend because I feel like most people would have the reaction you have so and I would feel <laughs> responsible but uh, to me specifically it really tickles my funny bone. <laughs> you can find you can find the really bad scenes online. Watch the True. opening just to watch that insane monologue. <laughs> watch the blowjob trial um which is also the name of my album that's coming the out the blowjob trial. Uh yeah, let's uh, let's Let's give this this fucking thing a grade. You ready, Veronica? All right. Three, two, two one. D plus. plus. All right. I said B plus. You said D plus. Wow. I'll, I'll <laughs> move it to a C minus because you know what? I didn't. There are movies we've watched that made me angrier than this. This is just a, a fail, a failure. But it doesn't even even with the ugliness and the sexism, it doesn't make that. It, it's now 20 years later. So that stuff feels quaint in a way. Yeah, um, but Until, I want to talk to you about. Uh, oh, sorry, what were you gonna say? I was. I would just say also just watching it as like a movie that made five months prior to nine eleven is also very That's funny. A, I I am curious. So, do you think this movie thinks that what John Travolta is doing is good or bad? Oh, I think it's bad. I think vigilante justice is bad. <laughs> no, I, no, 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 no. I'm not asking what you personally think. Do you oh. think the movie is taking because Hugh Jackman is like is like, oh, no, I, I got to stop you now that I know what you're doing. But also the movie chooses to let John Travolta get away and continue killing terrorists. And I five months later, America would be thrilled to have John Travolta out there. Uh, taking right. vigilante justice on America, the tenor of America would tone so he- uh, turn so heavily five months later. So, do you think this movie is thinks that John Travolta is a necessary evil or just an evil? Oh, I think this movie thinks John Travolta is cool and what he's doing is good, even like before nine eleven. I think. Uh, even before nine eleven, like look at all the movies of the nineties, like mm-hmm. every like. Tom Clancy adaptation, like Steven Seagal movies, like they keep like shooting Arab terrorists. That's like, and I think the whole setup of this movie is that John Travolta is sort of this anti-hero. They start off with him like monologuing, you know, about the bad guys getting away or like that, you know, I think this movie thinks that, yeah, I guess like necessary evil, maybe, maybe just like, yeah, this is like, he's a good guy. Like what he does is fine. Uh, yeah, I think I don't think this movie is against or is trying to in any way say that what John Travolta is doing is bad. Interestingly, there is apparently an alternate ending that they changed where at the end, Hugh Jackman wins at the end in that he puts one last, I guess, old worm in the system <laughs> and steals all the money back from them. Uh, but it's uh, I guess John Travolta gives like a, a like a I respect that. So he still was kind of treated cool, but he didn't like in this version. He wins wholeheartedly. Right. Um, his his buddy Vinnie Jones dies, but he wins. Oh, by the way, uh, football player Vinnie Jones. In Manchester movie. United legend. Uh, <laughs> All I right. Let's let's do a final. Um, uh, let's do our old. Ooh, that wouldn't fly today. Oh, boy. Veronica, uh, I, what in this movie would not fly today? I mean, I think any of, you know, the stuff that we've already discussed, just mm-hmm. like 
you know, uh, the blowjob, the the gratuitous boobs, the even you know the women like the Drea De Matteo character just being so flat and vacant, like just because she's married to a porn producer. I think any of those things uh, probably will not work. I'm trying to think. I I noticed one thing that I think they wouldn't do today. Um, There's a scene where uh, Hugh Jackman's going to quit. So John, he's not going to do the bank robbery. So John Travolta to force him to do it um, has his men hang Halle Berry. Um, Oh, yeah. And I think like it, I think nowadays people would just be like, uh, the racial connotations of having a bunch of white men hang a black woman I let's even though like the scene doesn't play it in any way racially, I think people would just be like, like while making the movie, they're like, "Eh, let's have them try to kill her a different way. Let's just not have that image in the movie. We don't want we don't want blog articles about it. We don't want tweets about it to hurt our opening. Yeah, no, I think that that's 100 percent true. Yeah. It's it's like it it does not come across as in any way racially motivated, but I think. It's not that it it wouldn't fly with the audiences. I think just uh, the filmmakers wouldn't put that in the movie just because they'd be worried that someone would view it that way. Yeah, for sure. I think they might also not just have anonymous Arab sounding terrorist names in it. I feel like we've also grown from that trope a little bit. So, you know, it would be some fun North Korean terrorists because those are the ones we're still allowed to be well, against Veronica. So we've gotten way off our dumb schedule, um, but That's true. Uh, our release schedule. But so like what, what uh, movie do you think we're doing next week? We should probably be doing a new, new one. And I have to imagine that means we're doing in, in, uh, in the Heights next week, right? In the Heights. Uh, so yeah. So next week. Yeah. I guess it's all limited releases. Uh, so unless oh, the, is in the Heights limited. No, so In the Heights comes out this week, but I guess, like, yeah, we got so confused with our... I Are we doing the movie that's going to be number one at the box office on June, th- like, 13th, tomorrow? Which is, we record on a Saturday. Or are we doing the one that's going to be number one at the box office on, like, June 20th, which is actually going to be next week? Uh, let's make no promises. We fucked up our release schedule. <laughs> It'll be whatever's number one when we do it. Um, <laughs> All right, maybe edit this part out. <laughs> no, I think this. I think this is this is great uh, sausage making. Um, I love right. to make that. So sausage. that's swordfish, or as I like to call it, swordfish. Password accepted. I also i uh, i applaud the restraint of the filmmakers. Or no, actually no, I do not because I remembered the original poster. I was like, I, I, I'm happy they didn't like add like zeros in there and stuff, but they totally did. I think <laughs> in the original movie it yeah, was I, like SW zero swordfish. <laughs> do we have any idea why all the marketing called it swordfish password? Was it password accepted or password approved? Uh oh, because I accepted. Think- I think it was uh, because that's like the I think that scene, the blowjob scene had them like password denied, password denied. And then all of a sudden it was password accepted. So it maybe that's like, why. It seems like they thought they were like, oh, people are going to think it's about fish. We have to let them know it's about hackers. 
Make it clear that swordfish is a password on the poster. Like, who cares? It's just swordfish. It's a cool sounding word. Also, bad password. And okay, this is (laughs) the last thing I want. I want to say is that so at the end, so when we find out that Halle Berry actually lives, uh, and she is John Travolta's accomplice, she goes into a Monte Carlo bank. And she's like, excuse me, I would like to withdraw all the money from my employer's account. Here is my password. And this lady is like, "Okay, sure. Is that how that works? (laughs) Like, do I just go and like to any bank and I'm like, excuse me, I would like to withdraw money from my employer's account. It just it yeah, seems how, like very how much bad is banking. like billions of dollars, isn't it? Or is yeah, it millions it's like of dollars? Nine point five billion dollars. <laughs> it's so dumb. That's why I love this movie. It's insane. All right. Well, we have one vote for fun dumb movie. I I'm I'm a little more negative. I think there's definitely fun in there, but that's Swordfish. Also, apparently, Vinny Jones. This twice. <laughs> also, apparently, Vinny Jones did not play for. He played for Leeds, not for Man United. Oh, and for fuck. Wimbledon. Damn it. Fuck, that's embarrassing. That's a, delete that. Edit that out of the episode. Yes, please All don't make me seem dumb. All of that. <laughs> okay. All right, see you sometime in the future. Bye. Toot toot. Toot toot.